we're one of the few countries in the world that can still openly protest their government and walk away from it. True that. You know? True that's that. A, that's a that's a beautiful situation. Some people have been finding themselves shot with rubber bullets of late. Welcome to No Half Stepping with Leonard Jackson. We give a platform to anyone about anything. We're like the Seinfeld of podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to No Half Stepping with Leonard Jackson. We have an amazing group of characters here today to talk about some hot topics. Uh, in the left corner, ladies and gentlemen, put your hands together for Brandon Woodruff. Yeah, All right. I'm technically in the right of the screen, but <laughs> <laughs> good place and to be. And then the, uh, Brandon, just so you guys know, is a, a very talented comedian. He does his own podcast called uh, uh, "What Is It Again?" Man, I mean, my mom thinks I'm talented, but. <laughs> <laughs> uh, what's in your podcast? Uh, Ad libs. There you go. There yeah. you go. You guys, make sure you check him out uh, at any chance you get. Very funny guy. In the right corner, a good buddy of mine from, golly, shoot, 20 years ago, I think, Chris, right? Yeah, right? 23, uh, 24. Jeez, yep. dude, it's crazy. Uh, Chris Chris is a good buddy. He uh, used to live in L.A. He had a company called Cool Water Productions. And uh, now he's back in the South, just a good old boy, never mean any harm, uh, out there That's in right. uh, Georgia. Oh, nice. uh, and uh, we're have some fun talking about some cool things. We're going to show the world, if, uh, the country, how to communicate without going nuts. We can talk about stuff, even hot topic issues. Oh, I make, I make no promises. I got a machete ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> Well, he's got a sawed-off shotgun, I'm sure. Green out there, coon, coon hunting. Um, I think I think we'll start off with something that's kind of cooling off a little bit for me. I'm still hot. Uh, the 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 Confederacy. This war was over what 150 years ago, and we're still mm -hmm. we're this. You would think this. First of all, let me just say this. I used to live in Georgia, mm -hmm. and they. I swear, it feels like. The war just ended maybe yeah, a they never, weeks ago. It never ended. It never ended. It feels like that. And and now today, it just feels like it's that way across the country. Uh, so yeah, I don't, I don't get the whole, uh, I mean, uh, how do I put this? It's weird to me that there's like people in like New Hampshire being like, this is about heritage. It's like, yeah, but your family's from New Hampshire. Like that's not... It's well, let's look at same. that. Are you proud of that hair? That's a question these people have to ask. First of all, that was four years. It wasn't like it was yeah. a generational. That was four years of the ugliest war this country has seen. And that was it was basically people taking arms against the federal government, which is treasonous. So I don't know if you're proud of being a treasonous. But, Chris, what's your take? You're, you're from the South. Uh, I'm sure you probably, you or someone you know may have, uh, you know, a, sympathize with the confederacy so what's your take on this whole thing well um you know the confederacy is obviously a part of of the southern history i, I you know you could even say go as far as to say heritage because there are a lot of people that that can trace their family member from the civil war so um i don't know I, I definitely think there are mixed feelings on it here too i just i, I wouldn't assume that just because uh you know the, the south was confederate that everybody today still feels that way there are a lot oh, of people here. That, family uh, in the South that are, are definitely not neo-Confederates. <laughs> right. You're right. Exactly. So, um, you know, that the topic of, you know, Confederate statues, Confederate symbolism being taken down, I'm, I, I'm not necessarily opposed to that. What I, I think I'm more opposed to uh, that being done by mob rule as opposed to uh, dialogue and, and, you know, democratic process. Uh, and I think most, a lot of people feel that way. I think the fringe elements probably feel that uh, it's, it's a part of who they are and their makeup, um, just like the fringe elements on the left uh, might assume that and everybody kind of feels that way here. And I, I, don't, I don't necessarily feel like that. What's interesting is, uh, <laughs> first of all, uh, darn it. I thought we were going to have a debate on this, but it sounds like... Well, <laughs> I mean, I'm, I'm a little more okay with protesters yeah. taking down statues, but I understand, like... Mob, it, yeah. can, it can get excessive and, you know, which statues went and where and all of that stuff. But there are some where, like, 
you know, about like, let's say this specific statue, people have been trying to get rid of it for like 15 years. And then finally it's like, all right, well, we're just going to take it down. I like it's, it's a, for me, it's a case by case thing. I don't necessarily think like we should be toppling statues of Grant, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. The 54th it, Regiment, stuff like that. But, uh, you know, uh, well, I mean, you can look at what's, I mean, even, even recently, uh, Parliament Square in London, they've defaced uh, statues of Churchill and Gandhi uh, with Black Lives Matter spray paint, you know, spray painting that. So, yeah. you know, when you have a cancel culture that's enforced by mob, a mob mentality, are we really having dialogue? Well, did they take are them down really or did they just, forward? did they just spray paint them? Cause I'm, uh, well, they spray- took them down, but I mean, you know, who's to say that they won't different, be taken down? I mean, different things, but. It's uh, different things, you know. Well, I was, I would, I would kind of, I'm going to kind of go a little bit with Chris on this in terms of the mob. Here's the thing. I don't think, like you said earlier, most reasonable people, I think, would acknowledge that the Confederacy wasn't such a good thing. There was pretty much a hate group, you know. They, they try to keep people in bondage. So. I mean, there's a, a lot of people who wouldn't qualify it as well, a Well, I love, that, I love to have that conversation and but, ex- have them explain I to mean, me. I mean, yeah, that would be a fun conversation. That, yeah, <laughs> but I think even Trump said in 2015 they need to put these monuments and the flag and all that into a museum. I don't know why he changed his tune. It's probably to get the, the certain votes that he thinks he needs to win the election. But I'm disappointed that he can't just come out and say, yes, the Confederacy is our history. We need to put it in a museum so people can learn from it, blah, blah, blah. But when you're glorifying Lee and all these guys and these statues in the courthouse. Like Columbus. Not the Confederacy, <laughs> but he's pretty bad. Well, you know, where, where does it stop? Uh, it stops with the Confederacy. It, well, it stops it, with... I mean, yeah, every, everything can be a slippery slope argument when you look at it that way. Um, you know, maybe, you know, when it comes to people who just like when you list out what they did are objectively awful like columbus i'm okay with that grants a little more he did some good things he did some bad things uh but who, but who makes who decides that i mean and that's another issue in itself is it's not just where does it stop it's where does it begin and where does it start and and there's always going to be do we become a complete answer a cancel culture to everything that may offend a portion of the society and not another I think we have to be realistic here. I think, well, specifically with the founding fathers, uh, I know like Jefferson was just not in favor of monuments to begin with. He's like, don't make monuments to us. We're not kings. What, why? That's not the whole thing is we don't like kings. These monuments are for kings and royalty. Um, so, you know, which is not to say that we should necessarily blow up the Jefferson Memorial because he was a slaver and, you know, raped Sally Hemings, but we definitely could have these discussions, you know. Uh, so the, we should definitely have discussions because then it moves into, you know, changing the names of buildings. Well, um, yeah. and, and then really, and, and that's fine. That's, that needs to be discussed. But it well, doesn't need to be by mob rule. And here's, I, think, I think what's happening is people are muddying up this conversation. It's real, it should be very, very simple. If we keep it, you ever heard Kiss, keep it simple, stupid? Common mm-hmm. sense would tell you you don't want to glorify Confederate soldiers. <laughs> this is that's yeah, an easy one. That that's seems pretty one. clear cut to me. That's a very easy one. That's it's when you start one. getting out of the Confederacy that it becomes more murky. I think exactly, exactly, Chris. So I get you. Yeah, I get you. yeah. And I think even Ken Burns. I mean, I'm a big Ken Burns fan. Ken Burns, yeah, yeah, I like Ken Burns. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and it, you know, he he even goes as far as to say that statues are a representative of mythology. And not necessarily the history. Yeah, monuments. Important. Monuments have the effect of either you know they elevate certain parts of a person's history and downplay others. It's just the nature of monuments. Right. Monuments across so the I board. think it's I think it's definitely a situation or, or a scenario where good discussion and dialogue is needed, and, and I'm I'm for that, and I'm for uh, the democracy of, of of you know of the vote too. I, I think that's. Well, I don't think we need to have a lot of dialogue on the Confederacy. If you want to have dialogue about Christopher Columbus, you know, these other people who own things. Gandhi, Churchill. They were were all perfect. (laughs) Right. Those are conversations. But I think you give people props, not because of uh, who, like, in aggregate their whole past. They're people looking at what did they do 
for humanity, right? I think mm. that's what the monuments are supposed to do. And George Washington for humanity, he helped create this country. He sacrificed a lot to help create the country. The founding fathers put in, you know, they put in work to create a constitution, stuff like that. But they cheat on their wife. Did they drink too much? Did they? It, it's uh, interesting about yes. George Washington because he was not actually particularly popular after he left office and, you know, after he died. It, it's his, his standing has gone up through time. But in sure, the immediate sure. aftermath of his presidency, people were like, nah, he kind of wasn't that great at the job. <laughs> he took up arms against his own citizens. Like, it happened. Right, right. But he did it to, as a means to an end. Um, you know, the Confederacy stood for yeah, XYZ. Yeah. He, it's, it's different. Okay. It's, you've it's got these different... historical slave owners that, like, that's part of their history, and it should not be overlooked. And, you know, maybe we don't aggrandize this people in the, in the way that we have, but they didn't necessarily specific it's not like nazis where they specifically stood for the extermination of jews exactly and it's inseparable there's other things that these people stood for exactly. so it's, it's it is a balancing act there uh i i do agree with that yes christopher columbus he was a colonist he he participated I mean, he, in col colonizing who did a lot of people I, i'm not gonna hate on somebody for that because that's kind of how the world has been going since the beginning of civilization People he take over people's stuff. Though. He was the first guy. He really did it first. That he did it. He did it whole hog. He did all he of did the bad first. things. I don't think he did it first. I think the Vikings. I, well, I mean, when I say colon, I mean like the modern era of colonization, like the, the Colombian. It all like that's really him. Even though yes, other Europeans had set foot on the continent before him. And other 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 nations used to colonize. He was the one who opened the door to like more people coming in and more slave trade and more exploitation than the Vikings did. The Vikings kind of stayed on, like they found an island, they just kind of stayed on it. <laughs> well, Columbus was ruthless, I ain't gonna lie. Yeah. He, he was cold-blooded, Jack. Yeah, he was... So he, he, he <laughs> opened the door in a way that the Vikings didn't. The Vikings well, kept to themselves. Yeah, so I, I agree. I think we could all agree. You know what, by the way, Chris, you said something a few weeks ago. I think we, I, I'm a firm believer that most of us agree on 90, plus percent of the issues it's just depending on what network you watch is right. going to be how your, your point of view you know you know what i mean like the media yeah, is me, destroying you the this. country you know i've i've since i you know left la and been back in atlanta i've been in the business world here and in sales and i can tell you i've been in a lot of houses um with african americans uh hispanics whites and we are so much alike, Terry. <laughs> and if, if we spent more time with each other instead of watching we have... what's being projected through television sets and, and cell phones and the social media, the world would be a different place. But right now, uh, we have other entities that are doing the thinking for us. And, uh, and we're trading the, the experience of contact with us. I have maintained that, you, you know, if... if um, I, you know what? is going on here i never plugged in my microphone i hear you <laughs> i'm yeah, doing my my usb kodak microphone oh that's better, better. That yeah. Better. yeah now yeah. we're coming through here now, okay now we're <laughs> with gas uh i had the wrong usb thing plugged in but no that's uh, what she said <laughs> uh i i have maintained that um you know, if some organization were to take a big magnet to Facebook and Twitter servers, I wouldn't be mad at that. <laughs> <laughs> I agree with that. That's I hate speech. Agree agree that. That's yeah. hate speech. Uh, <laughs> uh, and, you know, it's funny how you can literally politicize anything. Masks. We are politicizing masks. So frustrating. I mean, and you know what? Hey, I, 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 I can't believe I'm going to say this out loud, but I used to be kind of a Trump uh, uh, apologize, apologist, you know. I used to try to make excuses why he did this, why he did that. But why he wouldn't wear a mask, which he knows a lot of people are going to follow that lead, why he would stand up for these Confederates. I mean, these things are just unexplainable, but the mask is a real... He can't, he can't lose those votes. <laughs> he can't. He, but, he, but those... he, he needs those people to win. <laughs> Chris, what's your take on it? Do you think Trump, I don't think Trump is necessarily a racist. A lot of people think he is. I don't know. I think he's using these I mean, I don't, people. I don't, I, 
Oh, go ahead. Sorry. No, no. I just think he needs these votes, like you said, Brandon. I think he needs these votes, and he doesn't want to. He wants to keep these people j- just ginned up, so they come out and, vo- and vote. Look, it's it's politics one on one. You've got to appeal to your your base, your your voting base, and the same goes for the left. Uh, those two those two parties are not uh, uh, diametrically opposed in that sense. But I just, um, you know, I I, I don't know. I I. I uh, uh, yeah, it's a politicized thing for sure, and I can we can talk about the points of the politicization on it. It's so, so be- before we get into the math specifically, I just want to say that I, in my mind, I don't really draw a difference between people who like appeal to like racism and division uh, instrumentally just because they know it will help them politically to do so, versus people who genuinely believe it. Practically, it, the results are the same. If you if you're if you enact like say homophobic policies because you think that you know to do otherwise would lose you votes even if personally you don't have a problem with gay people it's the same thing you have hmm. it's what you're using your power for uh, in my mind anyway no I do, that's I, a good I, point that's a good point I do I do think Trump does divide the country when he does stuff like that and I don't think that's I don't I just don't think that's a good thing uh, so to to win an election you divide the country I don't think that's a good thing if I yeah. think as a leader, you have to unite your country, and and play the politics and play the politics game. You have to be able to do both. But he's definitely, <laughs> he's been divisive, he, man. That he hurts. He'll, that hurts. It's, and the way he does is he picks a side of a culture war issue and forces you to pick a side. Yeah, he, you gotta he because he digs in so fucking hard. He, he's not helping. <laughs> He's not helping. You know. The media is doing well, their part. It Chris. also doesn't help when the left deals in absolutes like it does as well. Not just the left, the leftists. You know, um, yeah. they, they deal in a lot of absolutes. And, and when you deal in absolutes, whether it be on the right with Trump, with the political points, or you deal with the leftists, what you're doing is you're drawing a line in the sand and the talking stops at that point. You know, uh, a, great, a great movie I saw years ago uh, was uh, some called Live from Baghdad with Michael Keaton. He was trying to get CNN into uh, Iraq to get an interview with Saddam before the bombs dropped. He was trying to get dialogue, and he was speaking with the Minister of Information, and they were talking and trying to broker this scenario so the U.S. wouldn't bomb Iraq. And uh, the, basically, the outcome came to Keaton telling this, this Minister of Information, uh, when the talking stops, the dying start. And in the case of absolutism, absolutism politics, where the sides are just talking at each other and no one's listening, um, that's kind of where we're getting to. And it's, it's being fueled by the media. Well, Trump's happens. supposed to be the art of the deal, More man. More than just the media. That was my mm-hmm. boy for a minute, but he's supposed to be the art of the deal. He's got to be the bigger person and create that dialogue, but he's throwing fuel on the fire. Well, it's hard to do that when the, when the leftist media is crushing you at every turn. I mean, every step he takes, yeah. left, right, or forward, uh, is challenged. Nobody pushed him to tweet. Nobody leftist. pushed him to tweet that about Bubba Watson and the Confederate flag. Nobody pushed him to tweet that. He didn't have to do that. <laughs> that uh, so we are, we're in an election cycle, mean, uh, guys. What do you I mean, mean by leftist? Sorry, go ahead, because, Brandon. Go when ahead, when you say leftist media, there's like lean left media, which – yeah, a lot of media leans left. And then there's like actual leftists, like we're not interested in making a profit. Well, we the, don't the leftist is the, is the smaller, is the, well, the leftist, the outlier media. Okay, let's, we'll, we'll, call it, we'll call it CNN and MSNBC. Which oh, yeah, no question. Corporate, which, corporate which media really, with a center-left bias. Yeah, okay. Yeah, yeah. And, but the, pro- yeah. the problem is the outliers speak the loudest. It's, it's a conflict that sells. This podcast we're doing now is not going to be interesting if we're agreeable. Well, they, have to, they have to make a profit. Uh, they, 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 you know, they have to make a profit, but they've become the, the, the thinking tool. That they, they control the flow of information, and the outliers are the, the are beating the wars that run the loudest. Those, well, that's, what, that's what gets the, picked, up, picked up in the profit, When you, I mean, we're. I don't mean to make like so when you when you mix profit and and news media inherently you you need to drive eyeballs to to sell your ad space and the thing that drives eyeballs is anger you, things that promote yeah. an emotional response i'm not necessarily saying that you need to take 
all profit motive out of the media, that's a whole different conversation. I'm just speaking to the fact that like when you mix those two things, you're going to create a, a need to generate sensationalism. And that's what we have. Create money. And that's what we uh, have. So it's, right. it's a problem with the fact that it's, you know, a, a corporate media environment. It's a big uh, problem. And, 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 and people are, people are getting smarter about it. Um, well, Chris, not just, you know, people are getting wise to, to that, but they're also then, you know, they're like, well, if I can't trust these people, I'm going to trust. And then they like, they don't apply media literacy skills elsewhere. And they're like, well, what well, if this JPEG with text on it is not telling me the truth? Like, and that's, well, and well, that's, that's the why, like, media. That's, yeah. why like, that's why we do this show. We do this show to show Americans, to show the world, look, this guy typically has this point of view that you see on MSNBC. This guy typically has a point of view that you see on Fox. We talk together. Guess what? These issues, we don't really, we're not that far apart. And we're right. exposing the current state of the media right now, which is what needs to happen. Will they make less money? I don't necessarily think it makes less money. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I mean, when news is boring, people don't watch the news. If it's just like too, if it's, that's C-SPAN. Boring news is C-SPAN. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, C-SPAN does. They do have college calling. Except for like the weird people who call yeah. in to talk about how like my eggs are wrong and the senator needs to fix my eggs. Like... <laughs> It's, well, let me let me well let me ask you this real question then, Chris. I mean, I, I, Brandon, I think I kind of know where you stay on this, but what do you think, Chris? Should people wear masks in public if they go out in public? Yeah. So, oh, oh I mean, I think people have to use common sense. The problem is not uh, is it is it a right or a left situation? If you wear it, uh, you're you're left leaning. If you're right, you're a conservative. I think it's a common sense thing. But um, yeah, I mean, I think it's politicized. Beyond a, a but do you think do you think the, do you think it sh people should there should be a mandate to make people wear masks in public? Do you think that's okay? Because some people say that's a, a uh, you know steps on their rights as a as a citizen. Um, no, I, I I don't know where I feel about that specifically. Listen, I know people that have been personally affected by COVID. Um, oh yeah, me too. I, I could tell you some, you know, some horror stories about it. I know it's a legit thing. Yeah. The problem I have with it is, is where do you get current information that's not that, that's real? Um, it, it's so convoluted and muddied now, as Brandon said earlier, that it, you know, that it's hard to find out where the truth is. I mean, look, here's an example. Um, you know, and, and this here, I'm going to read you. I'm going to read you a, a quick quote from uh, a pulmonologist, Dr. Constant Ahmed. Uh, and I'm going to paraphrase her. And she said, Cuomo and de Blasio have mandated punitive restrictions for anyone who dared to overturn social distancing, but have called for protest and have tolerated people traveling to protest. She has, she's also seen letters by medical professionals and students saying that social protest is more important than social distancing. And she says it's madness of a kind of intellectual terrorism. Another guy that she quoted says, uh, you know, um, it engenders mistrust by the public. There's no, no basis to say that mass gatherings at a funeral is a health risk, but mass gatherings at a protest is a healthy benefit. So, uh, I mean, we've, the, I mean, the whole protest debate was already, I mean, that door was busted open by, by the reopen protesters. They're the ones who insisted that mm. lockdown was a violation of their First Amendment rights to assemble. They're the ones who won the right to do that by showing up at capitol buildings with guns and not getting arrested so i mean that that door was busted open before the george floyd stuff happened um and we have since found that outdoor transmission with masks not impossible but it's not they aren't super spread i've gone to eight protests wore masks at each one have not gotten i got tested after the fourth one came back negative i've gone to four others uh, the last one I went to was over two weeks ago. No one in my house or at my work has gotten symptoms. So it seems to be a fairly low risk thing if you do it during the daytime and wear a mask and try not to huddle together. Well, let me jump in here. I will be honest, person, people are not being... In one scenario. Oh, Even I'm aware. I'm anecdotal. I'm very anecdotal. Let me I'm jump in here. Uh, this is an anecdote. You can't openly use the full force of the government to punish people in New York and New Jersey that want to reopen their businesses. And in the same breath, encourage people to protest you can't send out 
two forms of information and expect people to trust anything. Well, that's, that that's a different thing. Two different media messages. So that's a different was, thing. How do I feel about should people wear a mask or not? Yes, I think people should wear a mask. I think that's the I think that's the logical, respectful, unselfish thing to do. Should the government mandate that? Not necessarily. Brandon, um, Brandon, go ahead, and then I want to respond to that. But so Brandon, I don't you, mean you I don't mean to say that my personal experience with protesting is anything but a singular anecdote. I don't mean to say that at all. Um, but what I'm I'm saying is that the the people protesting and the general data that we have around outdoor spread is a separate issue from people being given fines for keeping their business open when there's a state order to close certain businesses. They're not they're not related areas of state power uh, to, right. to my mind one so is here, one is like protesting in an assembly for redress of grievances and one is you know you could argue that running your business in defiance of a law is a form of protest but it's a different it's not the same okay so i think sometimes with these conversations we conflate things that should not be conflated we we, we murky up the conversation i think number one Chris, you're a responsible human being. Brandon, you're responsible, but you may have a good little chunk of people who aren't that responsible, and we have to say- Let's assume that I'm responsible. Well, <laughs> wink, wink, nudge, nudge. <laughs> There's certain people out there you have to tell them, you need a driver's license, because you, you, know, you know what I mean? Like, we have to regulate things when it becomes a public health concern. So as, as a yeah. mayor- And that should include protests. Because if young people are the main vectors and carriers of this thing, then they're putting older people at risk. Well, well let me think. I was going uh, to get to that. One and you, you can't call the, uh, you know, uh, you can't be the pot in, call it flat, right? You, I, you, have, you, you can't parse it to where it fits your agenda. You have to have, if we're in a pandemic, we're in a pandemic. So uh, I was getting there. To be put on I, the was, I, I was getting there. I was getting there. I was okay. getting there. Yeah. All I, right. I, I, I'll try I, to shorten I, it up I, so, so you guys can chime in a little bit more. But, Okay, so when it comes to opening up businesses, if you can open up your business within the CDC guidelines to open up safely, knock yourself yeah, out. If yeah, you can fine. protest by wearing a mask and, and being outdoors, protest. Uh, I mean, it shouldn't be that complicated as long as we're following the, the guidelines. Uh, the, you know, to Brandon's point, the, there was, that wasn't a super spread activity. But when you're having, you know, Trump's rally, for example, that was indoors. Yeah, indoor maskless mass they, gathering events are a little yeah, different. And a lot of people got Herman Cain. That's it. He got the COVID. So, yes, Chris, common sense is very important, but a lot of people don't have it. So that's why the government has to enforce certain. Also, also you know, I, I'm okay with like a state mask ordinance, but I'm not okay. You know, if it comes down to enforcing it with like, Hey, here's a pamphlet about why you should wear a mask. And then second offense, you get a ticket versus like, get on the fucking ground. Like it's a different thing. <laughs> you know, one know is a very clear violation of rights. And one is like, you know, maybe a little punitive, but not necessarily a rights violation. Well, you just segued me into uh, get on the fucking ground, boy. Police <laughs> yeah. brutality. Are Six we... feet away. Get on the ground. Like that's a little much. <laughs> I get that. I understand these things. Uh, but you don't want to defund the police because of that, do you? Because of the masks specifically? No, no because police <laughs> are too aggressive. I think the police might need more funding, you know, more internal affairs, more training, more cameras. Well, uh, the, the question we had initially was what should be the function of police, right? And it's an interesting, that's a, there's a, that's a philosophical and a practical question. You know, because you've got law enforcement versus protecting and serving. And then within law enforcement, you have spirit of the law versus letter of the law. And you have, you know, some people would think protecting and serving is, you know, individual cops deciding who is good and who is bad and then just beating the crap out of the bad, bad people. Some people think that that's what protecting and serving looks like. So it's, you know, it's, a, it's an interesting, but I'm more interested in, in the practical scenario. Uh, of the way the police operate you know when people say defund the police you know it doesn't necessarily mean have them keep doing all the things they're doing and also cut their budgets in half with nothing you know no other policies in place like it's a different 
it, you know, things get lost in these slogans and, you know, people just yelling at, at protests because it's what you do at a protest. You don't have, you don't come out to a protest with your white paper about like, here's the proposals. They, but they do need to be clear. I, I'm in California and the mayor is wanting to take $150 million out of the police and put it in the social Which program. Just like, what, like 10% of their budget or 5% or something? It's not, uh, it's not like half. Yeah, but you know, two things there. Number one, I, th I think we can all agree that the budgets have a lot of fluff in it that we could probably probably cut, right? And and move that money around to other programs. But I think they need to be very specific and very clear of what they're gonna. What, are they taking away overtime? And they are they releasing some people? Are they? Yeah. You know, it's, well, I think I think when you when you talk about defunding the police, there are certain things like my how, how do I have the conversation? Because I, I'm not like a police abolitionist, but I'm definitely for like breaking up the constituent practical functions of the police into different like, for instance, I don't necessarily think that we need the same people who respond to like mass shootings to also be checking lane violations. Like it's you don't necessarily they don't need to be the same people necessarily like let me bring my, you in here chris what's your take on the defund the police um well I, I mean i look i think as a business owner and a business person i know you are as well uh, right Leonard, uh yeah i think everything can be evolved and you need to trim the fat when you need to trim the fat right but but i think the broader strokes of this is some of the politicians they they don't want they don't necessarily want to defund they want to do away with in some cases and the police uh, and abolition yeah, and, and and that's the real fight. I, I think you know, statistically speaking, look at the places where you have high high rates of crime. You have uh, and you have and you have business flight. You have underfunded police departments. Um, you know, that you got smaller departments stretched out and trying to cover bigger areas. So um, we have to have the police. You have to have law and order, uh, or we you know we're one with the animals at that. Spiral into chaos. Well, so, yeah, it should be looked at. To, you have to have the thought. functions that the police serve. But you, you know, the that's the thing. okay. So like when when people like I'm in favor of things like you should have a number to call if there's a violent crime occurring and you need someone to show. Like I'm in favor of that. Does that necessarily need to be called the police? Do they need to be doing all the things that they're doing? Like that's the, you know that's kind of where you, I'm at with do it. Do you personally have any issues with the police, Brandon? Personally, I've, I've had, I've gotten away with a lot of things uh, because I look how I look. Oh, so you have white privilege? <laughs> yeah. I, I, see, I, I struggle with that. And it's not just white privilege. Like, I don't, I also don't have like neck tattoos. That, and, like, okay, that, you know, that's, no, 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 no. Uh, there's other you. things that, that thank factor into white privilege. It's, it's white bread, white privilege. It, you know, there's, there's different, there's, it interacts with wealth privilege and like, you know, access to certain clothing and, and, and being raised with certain mannerisms that aren't necessarily all at play, but also skin color is a factor in that. I, I, I'm going to have to respectfully disagree with that. A lot of, my fellow black people will probably find me in the street and beat my ass, but I don't think I don't, I'm not a big, Chris, do you have white privilege? Um, that's another podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's another podcast. Uh, I have definitely, uh, I've had, I've had some run-ins with the police in my time. Uh, so, in that res with respect to that topic, I would say uh, not necessarily. Uh, I other, areas, have, other areas we could discuss this. I have never not been pulled over uh, without some form of marijuana in the car, and I've never once had my car searched. I'll put it that way. I don't get searched either. Look, I'm uh, not going to act like this country doesn't have a history. But also, again, oh, our, our anecdotes, our anecdotes don't prove anything. I, 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 I'll, I'll accept that yeah. argument. But at the same time, I'm not going to act like I'm, I'm a, you know, I got my head in the sand. This country has had a horrible, you know, history in terms of how they treat black people. That's fine. I, I, I'm not denying that. But I think if we keep living in 1950, 60, 70 or whatever, we keep living there. I don't think we're going to ever get out of it. And that's my biggest concern. I think 2020, the, the playing field is fairly, fairly even. 
are there still some sections and factions of the I don't of the even country? think it's it's fairly even. Man. I think I think it All is right. with education, with the opportunities. I don't think any of these institutions are necessarily saying, "Hey, you look like this, so you're not allowed." I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, it's not. Yes, we don't have de jure explicit de jure racism anymore. Okay, that's that is true. All right, so what do we have? You have a. It's uh. It's um. How do I how do I explain this simply? It's a mix of the lingering effects of old explicitly racist policies, plus people's individual biases combining together on a mass. It's like a whole, it's a very complex stew of things. You know, you can, for instance, like slavery isn't mentioned in the constitution. Like the three-fifths compromise doesn't even say the word slave. Like you can have things that are institutional that aren't even explicit in the written law. You know what I mean? I hear you. Um, So if you got two kids that were born today, yeah, I mean, and one's white, one's black, and they both the, live in the same neighborhood, same elementary school, same high school. They both go to Ivy League colleges. It's one is one, more likely, probably, to get pulled over driving a fancy car in a in a nice neighborhood than another, probably. Yeah, I don't know, Chris. What you take? behind that? Uh, I don't have them offhand, but it, it's there's a there was a uh, here's one that is actually. I don't have, this isn't necessarily, this doesn't point to a disparity in stops, but it points to a disparity in searches. And there's also um, an interesting corollary where they've, they've done these studies and they have found that when there is racial disparities, specifically in traffic enforcement, those disparities disappear at night when you can't see through car windows and tell who's in the car. Well, um, I, you should probably listen to a guy like Larry Elder you know, who's an African-American that's got, you know, that posts a lot of statistics on this stuff. Um, look, you can't, altruism is a great thing. At the end of the day, there was slavery. Slavery doesn't exist anymore. And, you know, if you can oh, look yeah. at any country around the world, you're going to go to any country for the most part, not every country, but most country, you're going to walk into a situation where you have a majority and you have a minority. It might be ethnic, it might be religious. Um, could be a myriad of things. You can't fix it completely. And you can work on it, you can try to make things better, and, 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 and you can work, to, work towards it in a way where you're dealing with the reality of the way it is now versus the reality of the way you like it to be. But you can't parse it into every little situation and, and, and come up with a couple of little scenarios here and there that try to explain away the, or describe the situation, the whole situation as a whole. Parsing's not gonna do anything. Discussion, uh- uh, getting out in the communities, getting to know people. Uh, like I said, I've been in a lot of black houses and, and Hispanic and Asian houses. And when you get to know people at the end of the day, uh, you realize that they're just like you. So and getting getting to know bit. people is is a good point, actually. A lot of a lot of these cases, especially in large cities, the, the police force does not come from the city or the neighborhood that they're policing. So they don't know the people that they're policing. Right. So but that's, a, that's a problem. Police officers are also a part of the citizenry as well. So they're not just protecting the citizenry, they are the citizenry. And so, yeah, I mean, the police, the police system, the whole structure of the whole system needs to be evolved like any other branch or division of society. Constantly which is why I love- and, ma- and making things better. Which is why I love the way this, this conversation is going because the way the, the overhand, overtone window has moved where it used to just be like, Hey, can we have some minor changes? And people are like, fucking no, what the police are fine. And now it's more people are at least recognizing that, hey, maybe we need to make some tweaks to the system, even if they aren't fully on board with like ACAB or whatever, you know. And that's uh, what that's what breaks my heart. It's because is, yes, every we a lot of us do agree on this stuff, but then you have the fringes, right? That go yeah. out there and start looting and rioting and tearing this down. And they kind of take away from the conversation. Just, I, like, just like the, the last point I would make about that, just like the kneelers, the football players were kneeling. It yeah, wasn't about the flag. Protest. It wasn't yeah. about the flag. It wasn't about disrespecting our troops. It was about trying to bring awareness to the plight of these people. And I, I hate that that got hijacked. I, I, um, I talked about this uh, like the week after, a couple weeks after George Floyd when they on my own podcast where they asked about the looting and it's it's one of those things where i don't think looting like on a 
the the acts of the looters are not morally good, but I understand where the explosion of anger came from in like immediately after George Floyd was killed and just, you know, my understanding of sociology and how people react when especially they've been cooped up for so long and a lot of people are out of work and then, you know, these things keep happening and it wasn't the first incident that was like that that had popped up in the media at that time. It was just a particularly egregiously bad. So like, it's a very complicated set of things, but I don't necessarily, like, I don't think also too, just as a tactic, like, I don't think the, if you're against police brutality that we should just have months and months of looting until it's changed. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, well, yeah, listen, I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm a big, you know, I'm a guy that's a big pro-protest guy. I, I think that's one of the beautiful things about, you know, free speech is the ability to, we're one of the few countries in the world that can still openly protest their government and walk away from it. True that, true that. That's a, that's a that's a beautiful situation. Some people have been finding themselves shot with rubber bullets of late. Uh, not right, but I think, you know, but, when you're trying but, to, when, you know, like, again, like I said earlier, we're not, ta we're not talking, we're talking at each other, people are, right? We're not listening. And yeah. if, if yeah. you guys try to, if the left tries to explain away rioting, let me tell you how the right sees it. I'm, I'm perfectly happy with protesting. I'm not okay with looting. And I don't think it should be minimized. And, and you just tried to, to attach it to, you know, hurt feelings or, or pen up, you know. No, I just, I understand the history of, of what leads to, to um, that kind of specific kind of social violence. Like, I, I just, I understand. I, I well, just it's mob mentality. Let's boil it down. It's, let's boil it down to, to that. It's the mob, right? The pitchfork and torch. Let's burn and slash because we don't feel right, right? If you want it's a little, to have dialogue, little if you want the left and right to talk, you, you guys have, you know, the left has to look at things in a more of a black and white scenario and not an altruistic scenario sometimes too. You can't just say, oh, it's a part of, you're frustrated, they're angry. The right doesn't see it that way. The right see it as a hypocritical position. And uh, yeah, protesting is good, but they're going to loot and we're not going to say anything about it because, yeah, you know, they have that right. Um, I didn't say they have the where, right. That's where the, I'm not saying that's, you said that. I'm, I'm saying that's, yeah. where the, that's where the dialogue stops. And the dialogue has to start and it has to be received. And we're not in a place right now as a country where people are being hurt. But There's Chris, a lot of talking, you know, I, I, I need to get more to that place. Yeah. I, I, Brandon, I'm, I'm going to just say this real quick and I want you to follow up on what I'm That's fine. Um, the problem is, especially, you know, I'm hurt by Trump. That's why I keep bringing him up. You know, he spent almost every conversation, every time he spoke about this issue, all they wanted to do was talk about the looters and the rioters. And that's what a lot of the right is doing. That's all they want to talk about. They don't most, talk about... Yeah. Go ahead, Brandon. So most the left the doesn't want to talk people. about it. You're, you, the left is ignoring it completely. That's why the right <laughs> wants to talk about it. That's the I, way it works, guys. I mean, come on. I mean, let's talk about this for a second, Okay. Um, one of the and, and one of the, the problems that the right has with uh, this whole thing against cops, and there's legitimate reason to feel this way about certain cops. Uh, I'll I'll stay I'll state it here. Yeah, George Floyd was murdered, flat out yeah. murdered. That guy needs to do time, major time. So let me get mm -hmm. that out of the way. Um, but that, why do you, why do you think that the right brings up, you know, the murders in Chicago or the murders in Detroit? Why they bring that up? Because here's why. Because all it's, we're hearing about is, is cops and, and Black Lives Matter, but we're not hearing about all Black Lives Mattering. And so that let that hit that there's kind of there's a sense of hypocrisy in that. I don't want any Black people to die, or white, or or Hispanic. Okay, well, I think it's a crazy world we're living in right now. But you can't focus on one issue and completely leave out the other because the, 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 like a got dog it. that can't understand you. Got it. Got, got it. Brandon, go ahead. You've got to be no, honest, a, guys. There has to few, be honest dialogue about everything. A few and points. Out what works for you uh, from a political I, I understand. So a few points. So just about the, 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 the looting and the rioting, um, I just wanted to – uh, this isn't necessarily a specific refutation to anything you said, but I, I do think it's interesting that, like, by and large, the the um, you know there was the uh, there was the big few nights of rioting in Minneapolis, and then it seemed to spread city by city over that weekend. 
and then the rioting sort of subsided like starting Monday and like by Wednesday, the most of the big mass rioting had kind of stopped. But the, at the same time, you saw the, the police response step up as things got more peaceful, the police got more violent, which I just think is an interesting thing to note. Um, but as- Or as they got the blue flu. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, I mean, it's, well that was, the blue flu was after um, uh, the, the, the guy who got, the, the drunk guy who got shot, I'm forgetting his right. name. Um, but, uh, um, in regards to specifically like, um, the, the term that is thrown like black on black crime, Chicago and Detroit, people have been trying to fix violence, particularly intra-racial violence in the black community for a long time. Like I grew up, I have a unique experience. I'm a, a white guy from Southern California, like in a, like a very suburby suburb. But I grew up in, in a black church and my whole life, I have seen people like be activists for this specific cause, trying to end violence in the black community, in inner cities across the country. It's a separate issue from state violence against black people or people who are committing alleged petty crimes and then being executed in the street. They're not the same issue and uh, you got to talk about both though you don't see pelosi uh, and schumer and those guys talking about it and the fact that they don't talk about it means they're politi politicizing it it means that that silence is consent in in some way i don't i mean you, i you can't I have you, you can't have your i'm not a huge issue. fan you, you can't just parse it out and let the media talk about talking points that solid that that fit their agendas you got to be honest about all of it all of it if we're you're, honest about all of it all of the time then we're going to make some real inroads to change. But you're not going to catch me. Dictate the, what's you're not going to catch me really praising Pelosi or Schumer. Uh, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not huge fans of them. Uh, so you know, I am. Would not, you agree? Would you guys agree? Then you know, the whole point of the podcast is um, is, to, is to talk these things through. Yeah. Don't you think that if we were just if everyone was discussing everything all the time. And, and giving it equal time in most cases, not what we deem fits our political party per se, that uh, the media's influence and the, re the real world would set in. It would be a better place. The problem is we're not talking and we're not thinking. Um, we're letting entities do that for us. And until that changes, we're going to keep going around this and around and around. How do we change that? Because you guys touched on it? something earlier that was very, very significant. Just like with healthcare, you take the money out you might see more wellness. You take the money out of these. How do you take the money out of the media? It's I don't not see so much that you take the money out of the media, but you could break up, you know, the 24 hour incessant coverage. The cable like, news. I, yeah. I agree with that these, point. These networks could become, uh, they don't have to be all news all the time. They could have like three or four hours of news in prime time. Because I mean, they fill the news with other opinion. Shit. You're right, Brandon. Yeah. They fill the news with opinion and that's what gets them. There's not opinion, 24 opinion. hours of news. <laughs> Opinions ring the register, and yeah, what's happening? And yeah, it's a it's a crippling it's crippling our society. It's crippling our society. I agree. Yeah, you also. I, you I'll know, be the first to tell you. We can talk about every subject under the sun, but I'll I'll be the first to tell you the media is this country's biggest problem. It really is because it's keeping us from thinking for ourselves and going out and actually spending time with human beings. Yes, uh, I don't know about the biggest and, and problem. And getting to know them. It's the biggest problem. I mean, it's the biggest problem they, because they, it's they, Every issue. Look at strippers. Do who wants to see strippers go away? I haven't looked probably at strippers so. in a long time. <laughs> I mean, probably like the Amish. Probably there's some Mennonites, some real hardcore like I'm to kidding. the right of Mike Pence I'm people. Kidding. I'm kidding. I don't. I need. I don't want strippers. I, strippers need to go, man. I'm done. With, I mean, I'm not done because I've never been. <laughs> But I hear that you're disgusting. Stop the hole, litter. Sure. <laughs> I just need to say, hey, can we edit this? I have, you know, I have been known to enjoy the work of the occasional sex worker. Not a How do you do that with social distancing? But How do you do that with social distancing? First of all, I'm married. So no, I no, me too. We all are. <laughs> so we're talking about 20, 30 years ago. 20, 30 years ago, uh, and, I was and the between party. being born or 10 years old. <laughs> Oh my God! Anyway, <laughs> you're a baby. You're but you're I wonder if they're hurting. 
not to talk, not to keep going on that topic, but I wonder if those type of workers are hurting right now. Did they did they shut down those places? Yeah, sex work is is taking a big hit. That's yes. Great. Well, hey, yes. Leonard, is this your next podcast? You're going to go find out. You're going to do some research. <laughs> to see if They've all, you know, investigative only reporting. OnlyFans only is, is the is the they're all on OnlyFans now. <laughs> yeah, let me know how that conversation goes with your wife. I know the producers know this this section right here. We probably need to tweak it a little bit. My wife is fine with it. Uh, is she? <laughs> yeah. So she wait, she doesn't get she, my wife thinks that's cheating. She thinks going to a strip club is cheating. Oh, I don't go to strip clubs, but my my wife knows I watch porn. She's oh, and yeah. that's cool. Yeah, wow. that's fine. you're a lucky man. Uh, she's younger. She's young. She's younger than me. She's oh, that's right. You're, yeah, yeah, young young people. It's a different <laughs> world, Chris. Like I, I don't it know. Is. I'm, I'm 47. We all grew up with porn on Literally the internet. Aside, you guys, it's changing, man. I mean, you guys grew up hoping you were lucky to find like a stash of Playboys in the woods. <laughs> yes. We grew up with just like oh, the point. It's in our pocket. I just gotta go to the bathroom. <laughs> it's a different world, man. I, it's and it's passing us by. I'm trying to stay in it, but it's uh, it's moving fast. It's so, scary. It's scary. Yeah. I mean, I got teenage boys, and all I gotta do is say something on the phone. Show me, blah blah blah. It's, it's all yeah. good. I do think it's. A, I mean, I don't necessarily think that it's a good thing that all of these children have porn in their pockets, but it's been that way for 20 years now. Well, so we're going to see you know, what the end result is. Cause I, my generation is turning out you know, decent enough, comparatively. I think there's well, some dysfunction. And, and, our, and Leonard and I have kids that are probably around the same age. But yeah. I'm, I'm scared for Leonard and I as old guys because these people don't know how to socialize this, this, this 17, 16-year-old group without having a, an electronic device. Screen to mediate it. Face-to-face stuff just, you know, it's, it's barely there. Every time my kid says, hey, I want to go to my this girl's house or my girlfriend's house, I'm like, yes, go. Go yes. talk to a human being. Well, you know, it's interesting. You said something. We we wonder how this is going to affect the kids. Well, let's think. We do – first we had LBGT, right? Mm-hmm. Now we got Q. Now we got AI. Like, I think those are going to probably We're, keep yeah. going because this is just morphing into some heavy stuff, I think. People, people just yeah. – Fucking how they want and labeling it how they want to label it. You know. <laughs> yeah, that that could that could twist you up a little bit if you ain't careful. Mm-hmm. You, the mind is a very delicate thing. You, you keep throwing more stuff on it. It'll it'll. I have learned that for better or worse, you can't change what gives people a boner. So you know. <laughs> I did see Porky's, and uh, that is you true. know it's uh... that that movie that movie taught me about sex. <laughs> how Porky's. you know Porky's. You gotta. You just hope that they do, you know, that they're not hurting people with that impulse. Uh, you know, depends on what you consider hurting. Well, that yeah, might be, might be a good that's, time to some people. That's that's uh, that's that's when you get into you know Sadistic debates about stuff. consent and and all of all of those things, which are for a different you, podcast. You know, what's funny. I, I was gonna bring up the Roger Stone thing, but. This, you know, I think the listeners might be like, let's do one more question about taking it in the book. I'm just kidding. All right. So uh, do we even want to go there with the Roger Stone commutation? Let's say Does anybody Roger care? Stone. Does anybody care? Uh, it's it's kind of gotten buried, I think. It, it's, people are focused on Corona. It's, it's one of those things where if you're on the left and it, it's just like, oh, it's another Friday and another corrupt thing at this point. <laughs> all kind of numb numb to numb to that shit it's just what it's just like this is infuriating but nothing's gonna happen so we're just gonna keep pushing to the election Who cares? Well, it's not it's not sexy for sure no nobody cares i mean no. so we'll and you gotta that. parcel out the difference between a pardon and a commutation and it's just you know i, I, re- I remember cares. scooter libby people i remember that just kind of flew under the radar of after a while too he's still it, it's all political if you ask me, I don't think Roger Stone did anything where they needed to show it with, with machine guns and helicopters. And, I, you know, I don't like Roger kill. Stone. I, and, you know, whether or not, I just don't think any president should be pardoning or commuting their friends, like, just at a fundamental that's, level. That's been happening since the beginning of time. I know. I just, I'm against, I oh, understand oh, oh, that, that their power the is unchecked. Is. Yeah. That, okay. I, don't, if I, don't, I know that that power is unchecked and they, technically, yeah, they could just do it for whatever reason they want and nothing we can do about it because Alexander Hamilton pushed for that power. 
Uh, yeah, it's a constitutional I just, power. Sure. I just, you know, personally, I just don't think the president should be pardoning their friends or family members. It's just a thing well, that I believe. We got a couple minutes left. The biggest question of our time right now is, are we going to get past COVID-19 at some point? What does that look like? What is it going to take? Or do we just have a different existence moving forward? I mean, the question is, is, is there going to be a vaccine on the horizon? And I know, you know, there's, a, there's an arms race so. right now to, to, to be the, the company that does that because the profitability from that would be unbelievable. But, you know, I have heard from a couple of sources that we may be wearing masks for a couple more years. And if it's, it's, mm -hmm. it's technically it's the pandemic flu, it's not the regular flu. If it mm -hmm. works its way into our flu season, then we'll have, uh, we'll have three different things to contend with. We'll have, we'll have the flu, we'll have COVID yeah. all at once. That's right. That's right. Uh, yeah, it's, it's going to be interesting. I mean, then if, if you have a vaccine, are people going to accept taking the vaccine is the other, other question there. And does that right. create a, a two-tiered society where you've got the immune and the unimmune? It's, I, th I mean, what's going to, it's eventually going, yeah, it's going to be one of those things that we have to adapt our society to in some capacity or another. It's not going to, we're not going to eradicate it like smallpox. I'll put it that way. Right. And it's, it's going to mutate. Immunity won't last forever. It might be like tetanus where you're immune and then you're immune for like 20 years. Or it might be like the flu, yeah. or you're immune for like six months. But, uh, and, and it could be the first of, of many things to come as well. Yeah. Do we see life going yeah. back? Do we go back to the movies? Are we going back to weddings, funerals, well, classrooms? Specifically with this virus, what tends to happen with most viruses is they get more transmissible <laughs> and less lethal because that's the evolutionary advantage. They get to, you know, they're not killing as many hosts, but they get to infect more hosts. So they get to be more of the virus. That's the evolutionary imperative of a virus. So eventually that will probably happen. It's just a question of if it happens by next year or 2025. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then there's the question of, do we, you know, do we need to have more exposure to it for the sake of immunity? Mm. I mean, well, it's such yeah. a, there's still so much more information that has to come mm. out about this. The more people that have it, the more walls you have to block uh, other people from getting it. Right. So at least when they're not, uh, they're not, uh, not dying. Well, it, we focus too much on the death rate because the death rate isn't that high. Uh, I've seen a whole bunch of studies and I've done a whole bunch of math. And the best figures I can arrive at are it's between somewhere between 0.05 and 1%. I'm not willing to narrow it down any more than that. Um, Good. COVID? Which, yeah, COVID. Oh, that's, which, that's the flu right there. The flu is yeah, 0.01. Yeah. It's, it's still a more deadly than flu, but you've got the fact, you know, for every person that dies, you have X number of hospitalizations. You've got people are, right. who are getting severe illnesses. It's not like the flu where you get sick and then three weeks later, you're fine if you don't die. It's like you get sick and then you wind up with permanent lung damage from this. It's a whole different, you know, like, even if it's not killing 5% of people, it's still, you know, overloading a lot of systems. Yeah, you know what's funny? It's not even funny. Out, I, I don't know why you know. I said, you know, it's funny. Because kids, are getting COVID, <laughs> kids are getting like phantom frostbite. Like it's like, it's fucking with people. I was going to say, this thing has long-term effects, man. I'm hearing like, you can't taste, you can't smell. Well, you, if they've, you, well, yeah. And they're, they're also talking about, uh, you know, you know, folks that are carriers that really don't, that are asymptomatic. Mm -hmm. Some of these people, some percentages of these people are showing permanent lung damage, Jeez. even though they're non-symptomatic. And, mm -hmm. and I heard one uh, doctor compare it to you know, looking at x-rays, it's like looking at um, glass in the lung, little shards of glass. Oh, people were saying that it felt like breathing through glass. That's right. Um, so we, don't it, know, we don't know what's going to go on. With we just don't know enough yet. The thing that I read that kind of changed the way I look about I look at the virus, and this was something I just came across recently, was that it's actually, you know, people, the initial uh, reporting was that it was a primarily a respiratory disease because that's like the worst of the symptoms. And when it hit China, that's what people were focusing on. But it's actually, it's a vascular disease. It gets in mm, blood yes. And that's how it gets, that's why you're seeing things like COVID toe or heart damage or strokes. 
because it's getting right. in people's bloodstreams. And, and, yes, you know. that is true. That is true. Uh, That's very scary. So if we think about it that way, it becomes, you know, it's not like, oh, I could get a flu and I'll be better. It's like, fuck, like, even if I won't die, like, I don't want to have like weird, I don't want my nine-year-old to get like weird Phantom frostbite, like, and that's it, right. And if you're completely asymptomatic, and then yeah. five years later you come down with a syndrome of some sort, it's, uh, that's where uh, we are. I mean, I, I think I we got to look at the wet markets in, in China as well, and you know, they're they've got to take a harder, deeper look at the yeah. origination of some of these things and the cross pollination between species. And I don't, um, I don't mean to get into like, you know, I don't know a lot about Chinese health regulations, and maybe I'm I'm getting into stereotypical territory. F fully aware of this. But Just don't say Kung flu. My be okay. understanding <laughs> is that the, the regulations around these places are uh, not great, uh, even without just the potential for a pandemic. It's just not a, you know, selling raw meat next to where you slaughter the live animals and store them is is that what she just got out the fridge some raw meat oh that's my sister-in-law <laughs> <laughs> no you're right well, you're 100 right. you're seeing the world you're seeing the world react to, to china uh economically now as a result of this too and that's Good. probably how you you kind of force regulations to some degree sanctions maybe you do sanctions right i mean look at uh look at india you know, uh, get, doing away with TikTok, you know, uh, basically. Yeah, yeah. And that, that's also related to them being, you know, bordered with each other, right? And being, you you know, know, I'm not a fan of TikTok. I mean, TikTok is an interesting. Thing. I do think it's this isn't real, but I do think it's kind of funny that Kellyanne Conway's daughter, like the media, found out that she was like an outspoken progressive on TikTok, and then like two <laughs> weeks later, Donald Trump's like, maybe we should ban TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> it's like we can't take the phone away from my help me take my phone away from my teenage daughter mr president <laughs> I know, well, I, i'm a person that believes if he makes that decision and tiktok goes away it's going to hurt him in the election TikTok. probably well especially with a younger 18 year old 18 to 25 year old that's invested a lot of their lives into building this let me let yeah. me tell you something. Yeah. By the way, we're all, we're pretty much out of town, but I just want to wrap it up with this. TikTok is, is, is I think it's a little bit more serious than we think. They're doing a lot of data mining. They I refuse to put it on my phone. I'll put it My out. son has it. And he's a TikTok star. We had him on the show actually not too long ago. He's He's got millions. I mean, it's fine. I get it. It's fun. But also but like, ugh, I'm not it's, trusting it's, Huawei yeah. with my phone or whatever. Hey, uh, let me say this. I don't want it to go anywhere soon. Uh, my kid's a, a, a pretty big influencer on TikTok. I think he's got <laughs> 600,000 followers right now. And Your kid does? Oh yeah, she's a look her up. Uh, yeah, what's, has, like, no, my son. No, my son's probably. What's her name? Tori. Tori. Well, I don't want to say it. <laughs> I know your last name, so I'll. I'll, you, know, I'll who, you know who she is. I think she's had there's some server in China with all this video. She's had over 47 million likes on her video. What? Uh, I get. Oh uh, man, we, Burn I get didn't no even do less that than I get no less than ten packages a week at my house. She's sponsored by so many companies; it's unbelievable. Yeah, my crazy. son's getting packages too. You know what, man? Yeah, we should. We I gotta come back. Just too early for this shit. <laughs> I got I, I get on all of these social media trends just slightly. Like if I had gotten into YouTube like two years earlier. Oh yeah. If I had gotten into Twitter. Oh, yeah. Crazy. Listen, I got a seventeen-year-old that that spends two hours a day on it, uh, and Woo. the kid realistically could make fifteen hundred to two thousand a week at seventeen <laughs> on TikTok right now. It's, I miss uh, I miss Vine entirely. Like. Yeah, right. And musically, Whoa, Chris. And musically is the one that started it. Yeah. Yes, I did, had no idea, man. Yeah, oh my, my kid was uh, she was a major, an influencer on that level. Yeah, she's big time. Yeah. Have you seen time. the the kids got, that uh, do? Listen, man, I had uh, this past Christmas. We had uh, I had fifteen boxes sent to us from Champion Sporting Goods. Champion is one of her uh, sponsors. We, she, I, she's got so many clothes and sweatshirts and bracelets and glasses and. Uh, Brandon, you better uh, pick it up, man. She's blowing you away. Come on, oh, man. These, these kids with this, like, I'm 30 and I'm pretty hip for a 30 year old. <laughs> but I think I got nothing on like a, a 17 year old teenage girl with a phone. Like, <laughs> I, I don't have the reach. I don't have the the savvy. I don't oh. know which hashtag is to ride to. Like, I'm gonna make this tweet viral. I don't know. I don't know none of that shit. Well, uh, I want to say this. This has been fun. This has been fantastic, man. I love the fact that we could talk about pretty hot topics, right? These are pretty hot topics, but we talked about them like we're just going over, you know, 
how your day went. I didn't even is... put on pants, man. Huh? Me either. I didn't even put on pants. I'm kidding. I have pants on. <laughs> Let me see. We're doing the news anchor uh, suit for suit. Suit no, no pants. Yeah. This is fantastic. Well, <clears throat> is there anything <clears throat> you'd like to close out with, Chris? Yeah, I just want to say um, the world is going to be a better place if we can put down the social media and put down, you know, the, the voice coming through the screen and we get out and we talk to people. Yeah. And we go barbecue and we spend time because that's the real world. What's being broadcast to us is, a, is, a, is an imposter. Uh, it, it's a, a, a perversion of reality. And the reality is getting face-to-face, -face, and that's what we need to do to make the world a better place. 100%. I can't debate that one. Uh, Brandon. Brendan, sorry. Yeah, um, you know, uh, take a magnet to Facebook and Twitter servers and also follow me on Facebook and Twitter. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's my message. Oh, man, He's, a Black He's a capitalist. Um, I might be able to sway him over to my side. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, I hope you guys don't mind coming back again. This has been fantastic. And, uh, you know, I, I, I just, I, I have a lot more faith in our country after having this conversation. So anyway, you guys stay tuned. No half Stephen with Leonard Jackson. Till next time, peace out. Adios. Thanks for having me. All right, guys. Thank you for listening to No Half Stepper with Leonard Jackson. This has been a Laugh Bureau production in association with Leonard Jackson Incorporated. Produced, engineered, and edited by Michael Green. Music by Quarks. Talent booker, Sean McBride. Shot and recorded at the Garden Studios in East Los Angeles. <laughs>